I'll bet you have seen these gloves before. Doctors and nurses, specialty doctors, specialty nurses, EMTs, paramedics, firefighters, everybody that's in the medical or public safety arena or anybody alive that's been to a doctor knows what these are. These are gloves. And sometimes these gloves are put on because the things that these folks do to save lives and to prevent disease and to promote health and healing, it can be messy. And I would say, if you're going to be dealing with people's lives, it can be messy. You may have to glove up. You just may have to glove up. In order to help somebody. In order to preserve something. See, they aren't just for people in the medical field. I mean, people that are hurting, families. Sometimes there's such messes in families, you you got to glove up. If you're a mother, you know good and well what you've got to do to glove up from the youngest moment that you've got a child, you better glove up. And if you don't, you may turn away because you say, I don't want to get involved. It's too dangerous. It's too dirty. Too much going on. But what we are that was taught about this morning is the church. We are not a noun, a building. Yes, there's a church building, but, but we're more than that. We're a verb, action. And if you're going to be in action, you're going to have to glove up. The church, you can look at the church like this. Uh, Pastor Ramona talked about some military situations today. You can talk about the church as being a battalion aid station. Now, if you've been in the military, you'll know that the battalion aid station is the forwardmost medical unit in battle. Do you realize that we're in a battle? There's no doubt about it. All you got to do is turn on CNN or Fox, pick up any newspaper, talk to anybody, think about anything, and you realize really quick that you're in a battle. And if you're going to be in a battle and you're going to help people, you better glove up. You better get those things on and get ready. The church is like this forward-most aid station where people come for help. They come because they need us. And So who comes to a battalion aid station? Well, in the military, those that are wounded do. You don't go if you're well. You go if you're hurt or wounded, or near death. That's what we are. We're the battalion aid station. And we're not only the battalion aid station for in battle, but here on the earth, the church is the battalion aid station. We're the first ones there that people come right off this street right here, 
right in these buildings over here, right in this building right here. It's in our neighborhoods that people need help. It, it's at our work and our jobs that people need help. Our friends need help. When we go out to dinner with someone, I guarantee that and unless you know them really well, they may not be a Christian. And if they are a Christian, I guarantee they need help. So you got to help when needed. And so when people come to a battalion aid station, one of the first rules that medical folks will tell you is do no harm. Do no harm. See, if, if you're going to have an intervention and it's going to cause more harm than good, you shouldn't do it. A good friend of mine, a very good friend of mine, uh, he was 82nd Airborne, jumped out of everything that flew, and was a police officer with me. His back has been injured unbelievably. And one of his doctors said, after he's had several surgeries, one of his doctors said, I'm not, I'm not operating on you anymore. He had to go to find somebody that fixed where other doctors couldn't. And that doctor said, I can help you. And he has. The man's walking. And he's walking greatly. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So the first thing is you do no harm. So listen to this. Galatians 6, 1 and 2. Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. Amen. Do no harm. You can get a loudspeaker and stand on the street and everybody that walks by, you can yell at them and scream at them and you can tell them that they're going to hell and they're going to burn in the fires of hell. And I've walked by people like that. It didn't bring me any closer to God. Look, we in the battalion aid station who need to glove up and get ready to go to work, we got to do no harm. We got to restore those that are fallen or hurt gently. You've got to be easy with them. But watch yourselves so that you might also be tempted. You better be careful where you go and how you go when you help. And you better have that Holy Spirit with you right in your pocket and pull it out. First Peter 4 says this, The end of all things is near, therefore be alert, and of sober mind, so that you may pray. Above all, love each other deeply, because love covers a multitude of sins. When someone comes to the battalion aid station, and you glove up, and by the way, you are the battalion aid station, when you glove up, love them. Love those that are hurt. Now, there may be a, a, a chance when you're there that they're bleeding. So not only do you not do any harm, but if they're bleeding, you may have to stop the bleeding. You may have to glove up, universal precautions, stop the bleeding. Now see, we all bleed physical blood when we're cut. There's no exception. 
But you may have to help them stop the bleeding. You may have to help them understand. Look at Romans 3, 23. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. They may think they're the only ones that are bleeding. And they may think I'm the only one that's ever been cut. I'm the only one that's ever been hurt. Nobody loves me. I'm just no good. No sorry good. I'm just... You may have to stop bleeding. Everybody has sinned and fallen short. It's not unique to any one group. And so what you may have to do to stop the bleeding is apply pressure. Stop the bleeding. One of the first things they teach you in first aid, if it's bleeding, apply pressure to the wound. Stop the bleeding. Romans four, or Romans 6.23 talks about it. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. You see, you have to let them know that there's hope. If they're bleeding, put your hand on the wound, glove up, and tell them, look, the gift of God is salvation in Jesus Christ. Stop the bleeding. Timothy says it this way in 2 Timothy 2, 24 and 26. He says, and the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but must be kind to everyone and able to teach, not resentful. Opponents must be gently instructed in the hope. You know, you just don't jump on the wound and push down and choke them. You, you got to apply that pressure gently. If someone is caught up in sin, if someone is hurting, if someone needs your help, gently instruct them in the hope that God will grant their repentance, leading them to a knowledge of the truth. And that they'll come to their senses and escape the trap of the devil. You see, this battalion aid station, we're the sanctuary, we're the hospital for those that need us. Some people may come into your battalion aid station, yes, your battalion aid station, my battalion aid station, and they may need sutures. I've had so many sutures in my life, I can't count them. I hope I don't have another single one. Hallelujah. But sometimes you've got to sew things up. Psalm 147 3 says this, he heals a brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. Man, if you've got a wound that's bound up, you know. And if you have a wound that needs to be bound, you know. You may need to put some sutures on it. Proverbs 17 says this, a joyful heart is good medicine, but a broken spirit dries up the bones. Give them medicine. And Psalm 34 says this, the Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. When we find people that are hurt and they come to us, we've heard testimonies this, this morning about people that are, they're going to their neighbors, they're going to their friends, their family. And, and you can certainly know this, anybody that's been in medicine or anybody that's been in public service knows that when people come in and they're hurt and they're broken, there's a whole lot of times that it's their own fault. They brought it on themselves. You've seen them. I've seen them. You can point them out and being in public service, you don't have to be in it very long. You don't have to be in the medical profession very long to realize, man, they did, they did this themselves. They're at fault. It's their own fault. They should have known better. How could you think that? There's many times I thought, man, I can't believe I did that. 
I don't know, maybe you haven't. How could I have done that? And then when you're on the treating side, you think, how could they do that? What were they thinking? Were they crazy? Well, what did they think they were going to do? I read a story where a guy jumped off this cliff doing cliff diving. And he misjudged. A, mis, you may not want to di- miscalculate there. But it was his own fault. Does that mean we don't help them? Does that mean we turn our back on them? Just because they've done it themselves and it's their own fault and they should have known better, do we just say, sorry? No, 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 no. 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 Listen to what Luke 15 says. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had and he set off for a distant country and there he squandered his wealth on wild living. He should have known. He left father's house, had everything he needed, not everything he wanted. And after he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. Have you ever turned your back on what's right and then got hungry? Yeah. I was a little kid one time, and I was, I was going to run away from home. I lived in a small town, Bunnell. Maybe 1,500 people there. And I got mad at my mom and dad. I got on my bicycle. I rode out, I rode out Dean Road. And I got about an hour's worth of bicycle trip. And I didn't really know where I was going. But I was running away from home. And then I thought, well, what are you going to do now? And what I did was, what you know I did. I turned back around, rode back home, and there was mom and dad. They're still sitting at the kitchen table. Didn't phase in one bit that I ran away from home for a whole couple hours and came back. Yeah, it was my own fault. And it was this boy and the prodigal son. It it was his own fault. But what did his father do? He said he looked in the distance. He had been watching and waiting for his son to come back. He didn't turn his back and he didn't say, you did this, it's your fault and you know it. And he didn't rub it in his nose. He didn't pile on on his son. Thank God my parents didn't. And thank God this man didn't. He welcomed him back. And they had a party. Yeah. How about this? Here's another one. This guy should have known this. He, he should have had better sense. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came to where the man was, and he saw him, and he took pity on him. And he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. And he put the man on his donkey and brought him to an inn to take care of him. And the next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said. And when I return, I'll reimburse you for extra expenses. You see, this was a man that left Jerusalem going to Jericho. And it was seven miles and it dropped over 3,000 feet. It was called a blood trail. Or the way of blood. 
And the reason it was because so many people were robbed there. Everybody knew it. You only went during the daytime and you only went in groups. But here's this cat. And he went there knowing good and well that he was in danger. And what happened? Yeah, he got beaten and robbed. And, of course, the priest saw him and probably said, now I'm adding to some scripture here. So this is not scripture. But I can imagine he would have thought, you should have known better. I got a place to go. And the Levite, and I'm adding to scripture, doesn't say he thought this. I want to be clear. But he sure could have said, yeah, you know this road. You, you shouldn't have come here. But what did the Samaritan do? Let me tell you what he did. He gloved up. He put his gloves on. He picked up this man. And he took him. And took care of him. And Jesus has said this. Which one of these was his neighbor? The man who put the gloves on. I'll tell you. That's who it was neighbor. Amen. We got to glove up, folks. We got to glove up where we are. There's people that need our help. They want our help. They are looking. And they may not look like us. They may not act like us. They may not smell like us. They may not dress like us. But if we don't have our hands open to them, they may not believe like us. If we don't have our arms open to welcome them, and if we don't have the ability and the desire to help them, they're going to die. I've dedicated my life to public service. I've gloved up a lot. And I'm going to keep gloving up until the day I die. And so these people that do it to themselves, you can see them on the side of the road in the car. You can figure out what happened at 2 o'clock a.m. So what we have to do in the battalion aid station, which is called the church, is we got to be real careful not to judge. Yeah. Oh, it's so easy. Oh, man. Why should I help you? You spent all your money on stupid stuff. Why should I help you? You've made the wrong decision again and again and again and again, just like probably we have. So we've got to be careful not to judge. Matthew 7, 1, this is Jesus. He says, do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you'll be judged. And with the measure you use, it'll be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when at the time there's a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First, take the plank out of your own eye, and then you'll be see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. See, this is like, I'll give you a real-world example. This is like the person that's ahead of you at the red light. You know what I'm going with this. They're the person in the red light. And the light's red, and they're right ahead of you. And what are they doing? They're texting. They used to be calling, but now they're texting. And the light turns green. 
and you're vehicle number two. Man, oh man. I can't believe they do that. That light's been green for like a second and a half, and they haven't moved. Yeah? Amen? You see, so, but it's different if you're the first car. You know, when you're the second car, come on, man. That light's green. Get on. Get out of the way. But what about when you're the first car? If you're lucky, you'll hear a toot, toot, toot. Nah. You see, if we say that we have no sin, we're deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. Romans 2 says this, therefore, you have no excuse, O man, every one of you who judges. From passing judgment on another, you condemn yourself because you, the judge, practice the very same things. We just have to be careful not to judge. When someone comes in, it's, it's so easy to hit them up. It's so easy to judge them. But I'll tell you, uh, I know with my own children, when they've done wrong, just like I have, I discipline in a loving way. But I don't rub their nose in it. I've never learned like that. And you know what? You're going to need help doing this. Church, you're going to need help. If you're going to glove up, you're going to need help. You're going to need a partner. Well, guess what? God's figured that out. He's a step ahead of us. See, the Holy Spirit can do far much more than we could ever do. The Holy Spirit can work things out for those that are hurt, that come to the church and are looking for something. And the Holy Spirit can help us know what to say, know what to do, know what to prescribe, know how to give the treatment, know how to do all that. And so when you're trying to help someone that's hurt, that's coming to the battalion aid station, and you're gloving up and you're saying, what am I supposed to do? I've never faced this before. Well, you've got a helper. You've got a helper. It's the Holy Spirit. Now, to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power that works within us, the Holy Spirit. Gino mentioned it this morning. And I'll tell you that it's God's love that leads to repentance. Or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, forbearance, and patience, not realizing that God's kindness, his love, is intended to lead you to repentance? So when you glove up, you're at a battalion aid station, I I just want you to know that you may face a mass casualty incident. There may be more people coming at you than what you know how to do. And if you've ever had to triage patients, you learn how to triage and you're putting toe tags for the people that need to go this place and that place. But chances are your encounter when you slip on a pair of gloves and glove up, it's going to be one-on-one. Really, it's going to be a neighbor a husband or a wife or a son or a daughter, a brother or sister, somebody at your work. 
somebody you meet in the store who just looks downtrodden. It's going to be one on one. Don't leave them alone. See, in a world full of hurt like we've got, we should expect them to come to us. We should want them to come to us. So let me say this to you. Glove up. That's my challenge to you this week. Glove up. Be looking for those that need help. They may run to you. They may be silent. Glove up. Glove up today. I've got boxes of gloves before you go out. Now, I don't expect that you're going to have to literally put them on. But you throw them in your briefcase or seat beside you in the car. Throw them at your breakfast table. Stick them in your pocket. And be reminded that God is calling you to action. That God needs you to be his hands and his feet. To save those that are hurting. And they're going to come to you. Glove up. Glove up. Dear God, I thank you today for your son, Jesus Christ. Father, I thank you that you gloved up for us. I thank you, God, that you didn't give up on us. I thank you, God, that you provided a way for us. And Father, as we, your servants, do your work, help us, Father, to be faithful. Help us to be wise. Father, move us into action for those that need you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. This is Pastor Louie. I hope you've enjoyed the message today, and I hope that it has encouraged you. If you need any further information about the message or our ministries, please contact us at the numbers on the screen. Our live worship is 1030 each Sunday morning, and we can also be seen on YouTube and Facebook at thelivingcornerstone.org. Be blessed.